Sunday morning service we invite all of you to listen and I hope and trust that the Lord will touch your mind touch your heart so that these truths that we are learning uh, may go deep into your heart and that you may implement them In the last service we looked at uh, uh, Matthew chapter 15 We were looking at Matthew chapter 15 and verses 8 and 9 The scripture reads These people draweth nigh unto me with their mouth And honoreth me with their lips But their heart is far from me Uh, In verse 9, but in vain they do worship me, teaching for doctrines, (coughs) the the commandments of men. You know, true worship (coughs) is not from the lips. True worship is from the heart. Then into action and lips eventually. But when we just uh, do the lip service, that is not a true worship. So, you can be a good singer. We were saying you can be a good singer, a good uh, preacher, a good worship team leader. And you have a, a team that can really lead the people into worship. You can... Have, uh, you can be a good preacher but if it is not from the heart now the right teaching these scriptures teach us that true worship <clears throat> should be from the heart not from the lips lips that is an eventually eventually you you open your mouth and you begin to worship God but that from it starts from the heart true worship is an attitude that you have towards God an attitude that you have towards the things of God from the heart not just singing and praising and talking to God magnifying God but then the heart is not in it it's an attitude that you have, that you obey God, that you love God, that you implement the word of God, coming from the heart and your actions, so that by the time you lift up your hands to God, by the time you want to worship God and talk to God, there has been a bowing to God's will. There has been a bowing to God's word. There has been an obedience, an attitude to adore and bow. So true worship comes from the heart. And that's what Jesus was telling these people, his disciples, that these people are drawing nigh when it comes to singing, when it comes to praising God and worshiping God, they can do a, a, they really do a good job with their lips. But the bad thing is that the heart is far. The heart was far. And so these are truths that we must understand. Do you want to be a true worshiper? Then let it come from the heart. Then coming to really the real matter, what about doctrine? Uh, Do you love doctrine? Do you teach the right doctrine? We are seeing that false doctrine, right here it shows false doctrine can negate your worship can nullify your worship when it comes to the doctrine you are teaching 
or you are imbibing in your heart, inculcating in your heart false doctrine, then you are nullifying your worship. The Lord will not accept that worship uh, for two reasons. It's not from the heart, and you are just, when it comes to doctrine, teaching men's ideas. So, it is, doctrine is very, very important. So, if you want to have true worship, want your worship to be accepted before God, then make sure that the doctrines you believe, what you believe in your heart, what you have in your mind, is the right doctrine. The word of God has been correctly, correctly interpreted to you. Not what men have sat down, as we were saying in the last service, they have sat down and come up with their own doctrine using uh, certain scriptures in the Bible. They will say in our fellowship, they will say in our religion, they will say in our church when it comes to the baptism, this is what we teach. Uh, when you go under a flag, you have been baptized. When it comes to baptism, when you do this and the other, you have been baptized into water. We are going to uh, see how that really nullifies your worship. So, men have taught a lot <clears throat> when it comes to doctrine. They have taught men's ideas. And uh, that's why the Lord does not accept their worship. There are so many areas. The Holy Ghost, the Godhead. What do you teach about the body of Christ? Who is in the body of Christ? Where is the body of Christ? Uh, what do you teach about hell? What do you teach about the man-child? What do you teach about uh, the two witnesses? So many areas in the Word of God that we must teach them right. They must, we must have a proper understanding, a proper teaching. And those are doctrines. They are major teachings in the scriptures. And if our worship is going to be right, acceptable before God, then we must teach those doctrines correctly, not incorrectly. Because that will nullify our worship. So that's why it is important who interprets the Bible to you. Many people say, well, it doesn't matter who is preaching to me, who is ministering to me. As long as they hold the Bible, I will go with them. As long as they are saved, you should care how they interpret the scriptures. You should care about that. They may be saved all right, but they may be holding a lot of false teaching. They may be interpreting the scriptures wrongly. So the idea is say, wherever, once I meet people clapping their hands, when I meet people that you lift up their hands, those are saved. When I meet people that rejoice, know how to rejoice before the Lord, uh, I will just join them. That's wonderful. What do they do? Clapping hands. The Bible says, clap your hands, all ye people. Um, but uh, you may clap. <clears throat> There's nothing wrong with clapping hands. There's nothing wrong with lifting up your hands to the Lord in worship. Nothing wrong with that. But when we sit down and then the Bible is opened, the scriptures are opened, how do we deal with the scriptures? How do we divide the word of God? How do we teach? We will find that you have joined yourself to a church, to a religious organization that does not divide the scriptures right. When it comes to natural things, we are really spiritual. We don't just go to any doctor. We have particular doctors we go to because they know what they do. They know their profession. They know what they are doing. They are very fine doctors and we have proven them so. 
And so when it comes to the natural things, we are really spiritual. We don't take our kids just to an school. We don't take our kids just to the nearest school. We will travel miles looking for good schools that when our children are in those schools, they will get good grades. They will advance in their education. Uh, we don't just say, oh, this is a school with a signpost that this is such and such academy, such and such a school, such and such secondary school or primary school, whatever the level. But we will look out which are those schools that produce, which are those schools that help the uh, students to pass. So when it comes to natural things, we are really spiritual. But when it comes to spiritual things, we are carnal. Why do I say we are carnal? Because you do not care where you go to church. You do not care who your pastor is. Any person can be your pastor. You darken the doors of any church. Once the church doors are opened, you must know that in this world there is truth and there is error. There is truth and there is error. There are true prophets and there are also false prophets. There are true apostles and there are also false apostles in this world. Know that there is error. It's good to work together, but it is good to work together with the people that you believe alike, that you agree in doctrine. True fellowship comes from a people that agree in doctrine. We may like to come together, we may like to gather together as a fellowship or as believers in Christ, but then when it comes to scriptures, when we sit down and we find out when it comes to the baptism, you believe this way. The other group believes the other way. When it comes to the Holy Ghost, this is what you believe. The other group believes that way. When it comes to the Godhead, how many are in the Godhead? You believe one way. Some people believe there is one in the Godhead. Others believe there are two in the Godhead. Others believe there are three in the Godhead. But we meet together. We say just the love of God. But let's be genuine. Let's be real. Uh, are we really one? Oh, we are just one because we have come together. Are we really one? Uh, let's be real. We are not one. We are just one in that, that we have come together. But when it comes to teaching, dividing the word of God, when it comes to interpreting the scriptures, we are really not one. We are divided. When it comes to the doctrine of baptism, water baptism, we are divided. When it comes to the good doctrine of the Godhead, we are divided. When it comes to the doctrine of hell, we are divided. We, we don't believe alike. So we may say we are one, but we are not. In reality, we are not. Because when it comes to teaching the word of God, which is the major thing, just coming a warm fellowship, I see brother so-and-so, sister so-and-so, we believe in Jesus Christ, that is what unites us, that is what keeps us. Tell me about the love of God. Tell me about the goodness of God. We believe in healing. We believe in deliverance. Talk to me about God. Talk to me about the love of God. And we see the warm fellowships and uh, uh, worship teams and songs uh, are sung and we feel so good. And these songs we learn, those are good. It's good to have that warm fellowship. What about now when we sit down? And say, let's listen to the word of God. How do we divide that word? If when it comes, we say, well, what we do, um, we are not going to let doctrine divide us. So when we are together, uh, we are not going to talk about doctrine. Uh, all we will do is for us to have a fellowship talk about Jesus, the goodness of Jesus, talk about the love of God. We are not going to talk about doctrine because it divides us. But we are leaving out 
doctrine spells out who we are. It is doctrine that spells us, that tells everybody who you are. So when we leave that out, then we are not really sincere. So it is important for you to have the Bible interpreted to you. And um, how do I know? How do, how do I find out um, where, who is right and who is wrong? In the world, I don't want to open the scriptures. It would, to, I would digress so much. Uh, but there is a spirit of truth and a spirit of error. Um, there is a spirit of truth and a spirit of error. Uh, you either have the spirit of truth or the spirit of error uh, working in your life. Um, you either have the spirit of truth or the spirit of error. Maybe I can just turn to this one scripture. I can't avoid to talk about this in first John chapter 4 and verse 6. We are of God. John, Apostle John was saying, uh, the fellowship that he was part of, he was telling them, we are of God. Because Apostle John was called by Jesus Christ himself. Apostle John was one of the original apostles. And he was telling the saints. He was telling his fellow brothers and sisters. Because he was part of the church that Jesus Christ started. He was part of the church that Jesus Christ established. It was clear. He was not, didn't call himself. The Lord called him. The Lord taught him. The Lord prepared him for the ministry. And so what he was saying was right. He wasn't just a, a self-made uh, man. He was called of Jesus Christ, taught very well. And he was saying, we are of God. He said, he that knoweth God, heareth us. How do you know that this one knows God? He that knoweth God, heareth us. He that is not of God, heareth not us. Hereby know we the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Now, how do you know you have a spirit of truth and a spirit of error working in your life? When a true man of God, a man that has been called of God, when he's preaching the word of God, a man that has been called of God, anointed of God, when that man is speaking, He's preaching the word of God. And you are listening. If the spirit of truth is working in you, there is going to be agreement. You will agree with what he's saying. You will say what that man of God is saying is right. The spirit of truth in you and the spirit of truth in him and his right interpretation of the word of God that is going to connect. You are going to connect because the spirit of truth is in you and that man that was being called of God is preaching the truth. He was called of God, has been taught of God and is preaching the truth. Now when he begins to preach the truth and the spirit of truth is working in you, then you connect. There is that connection. Truth attracts truth. Truth does not attract error. It is unlike in the world that opposed uh, poles uh, attract each other and like poles repel. Not like that. In the word of God is different. Like poles, so to speak, uh, attract each other. If that man is preaching truth, if is that preacher is preaching the truth and I have the spirit of truth in me, there will be a connection. I will be attracted to him. That's how you will know the response. If I respond 
then the preacher will know the spirit of truth is working in that child of God. But, and if that man is preaching truth, and within me there is a resistance, no, I don't believe that. It may be maybe for a short time, but not for all the time that man talks. Uh, when he is preaching the truth, and within you, mm-mm, I don't believe that is right. There is a resistance. There is a resistance. You don't believe what he's saying. It is the truth being preached. That man is preaching the truth. He's talking truth. He's talking the word of God. He's preaching the truth. But within you, there is a resistance. I don't believe that. I don't agree with that. I don't, uh, I, I don't understand that. Then it's very clear that the spirit of error, the spirit of error is working in you. Because the preacher is preaching truth and you are disagreeing. Therefore, it's clear that the spirit of error is working in you. That's what John the Apostle meant when he said, We are of God. He that knoweth God, heareth us. He that is not of God, heareth not us. Hereby know we the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. How do we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error? A man has to stand out there and preach. And when he preaches truth, there will be attraction. Uh, If I have the spirit of truth. When he preaches error, I mean when he preaches truth and I have the spirit of error in me, there will not be agreement. So, uh, men have interpreted uh, the Bible, Bible doctrines their way to suit their purpose. They have interpreted the Bible doctrines their way to suit their purpose. Now, before Christ came, there were many religious groups that were functioning. Many religious groups that were functioning. And uh, just to mention a few here, there were the Pharisees, there were the Sadducees, there were the Nazarites, there were the Herodians, there were the Essenes, and many more others. Uh, like, just like today, we have thousands and thousands of religious organizations. These groups, many of them, were using the law and the prophets. They were using the Torah. That's where they got their doctrines. That's where they got their teachings. And by that Christ came, these were well-organized, well-established religious organizations in Jesus' day. And uh, all these religious groups had the law and the prophets. But uh, the way they interpreted the law and the prophets was not what God knew it to be. They read the Torah, they read the law, they read the prophets and Psalms, but the way they interpreted those scriptures is not what God knew it to be. In other words, they didn't interpret the law and the prophets correctly. They didn't interpret uh, the law and the prophets correctly. In Matthew chapter uh, 23, Matthew 23, verses 1 through 4. Then spake Jesus to the multitude and to his disciples, saying, The scribes and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. In other words, they, they, they have the law. They try to interpret the law. 
Hold therefore whatsoever they bid you observe. They bid you observe that observe and do. But do not ye after their works. For they say and do not. For they bind heavy burdens and grievous to be born and lay them on men's shoulders. But they themselves will not move them with one of their fingers. In other words, when the scribes and the Pharisees interpreted the law and the prophets, they laid burdens upon men, burdens that were heavy to be borne, and they themselves could not implement what they had laid on the people. So in their interpretation, they laid burdens on men's shoulders. So this shows that they, they, the way they handled the law uh, was not right. They didn't interpret, they didn't interpret correctly. And in their interpretation, they laid burdens on the people. Uh, another scripture we can look at is Luke chapter 11. Luke 11. And, uh, verse, uh, 46. Luke 11. Uh, and verse 46. The scripture says here, uh, um, Luke 11, sorry I was in Luke 12, Luke 11 and verse 46. And he said, Woe unto you also, ye lawyers. These were lawyers that were to interpret the law the law word of God, they were to interpret the law. Uh, he says, Woe unto you also, ye lawyers, for you laid men with burdens grievous to be born, and you yourselves touch not the burdens with one of your fingers. The lawyers who are here, not lawyers in court, uh, or in the courts of law, these were lawyers of the law, the law word of God. They, they were the ones that were, that interpreted the law. But in their interpretation, they laid burdens on the people. And in Matthew 23, Matthew 23, and uh, verse 23, Matthew 23, 23, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin, and have omitted the weightier matters of the law, judgment, mercy, and faith. These ought you to have done, and not leave the others undone. In other words, these uh, scribes and Pharisees, when they interpreted the law, they left out weightier matters. Tithe is a part of it, but they, they, there were other things in the law. Mercy, faith, judgment. They neglected to those in their interpretation. They, they, they took that lightly. And yet those were weightier matters. That's why it is important to have the word of God interpreted to you right. So, when Jesus came, he said, I have not brought a new religion. I have not brought a new sect. I have not brought a new religious organization. I have not come to destroy the law or the prophets. He said, I have come to leave it. I have come 
to implement it. I have not come to destroy it. I have come to implement it. So, um, here in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 17, think Christ said, Think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am not come to destroy, but to fulfill. I have come to implement everything that was said in the law and the prophets. And of course we know that the entire Bible just talks of one, one, one man, Jesus Christ, the Father, and the Father. So, there, was, there are scriptures that, they, that are prof, uh, uh, prophesied in the prophets. There were prophet, prophecies that pertained to Christ. Whether it is in the law, uh, scriptures that pertained to Christ. So he said, I've come to implement. I've come to leave it. So he also warned his disciples against the doctrine of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Jesus Christ warned against false doctrine. He took it seriously. It doesn't matter, people say, what doctrine you believe. Do you believe in Jesus Christ? That's all you need. Do you believe in Jesus Christ? Do you re- have you received Christ as your personal Savior? Have you received the Holy Ghost? That's all you need. Uh, these doctrines divide us. Don't, don't care. I don't care what they teach. As long as they are saved, as long as they, they have the Holy Ghost, I just go with them. No. Christ, when it comes to his disciples, he built his church. He did not join himself to the Pharisee church. He did not join himself to the essence church, neither to the Nazarites, the Herodians, uh, did not to the Sadducees, he didn't go with them. Instead, he built his own fellowship. He built his own church. He didn't join himself to other religious. What do you say? He was a separatist. Uh, why didn't he join? Why didn't he give us an example? When he came on earth, he said, well... I don't want just to add on another religious organization. I don't just want to add on another church. I just, uh, uh, j- let me bring it together. You Pharisees and Sadducees, Herodians, Essenes, Nazarites, let's come together into one organization. You all believe the Father. You all believe in God and the Father. Let's all come together and let's uh, have come and uh, let me teach you uh, I don't think, just, just as you read the Bible, the Pharisees decided he didn't accept him. He wouldn't have succeeded in putting all those religious organizations. And men are busy putting together religious organizations and say, uh, we must be one. But when in reality they have, they believe is differently. The way they interpret scriptures, they don't interpret it like God knows it to be. And so each of your religious organization um, believes their own. My question is, why didn't Jesus Christ show us an example by putting the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the Essenes, the Herodians, the Nazarites, and said, you all believe in God. You all have read of Abraham. You all have read of David. You all believe, you have known of, read of Solomon. Uh, you all are using the same book, the same Torah. Now, be united together, be together, be under one umbrella. Why did Jesus Christ show that example? Instead, he built on the outside of every religious system of his day. He built something that was different. And that's why he told Peter that uh, here in Matthew 16 uh, and verse uh, uh, 18, he said, uh, uh, I say unto thee that thou art Peter, 
and upon this rock. He says, thou art Peter. Like I said when I was in those lessons that we have gone through, when I say thou, that means you are a distance from me. And when I say this, I'm pointing uh, to somebody, to myself. And I say unto thee, we went through that, I say unto thee, thou art Peter, and upon this rock, he was pointing to himself, because Peter is not the rock, Christ is the rock. I, I will build my church. He says, I will build my church. Uh, not the Pharisee church, but I will build my church. Uh, Thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will. He was pointing to himself to show that uh, Peter, um, I can't help but turn to these scriptures, First Corinthians chapter 10, to show that Peter is not the rock, but Christ is the rock. First Corinthians chapter 10 and verse uh, 4. And they did all drink the same spiritual drink, for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. So Peter is not the rock. The church of Jesus Christ is not built upon Peter. It's not built upon Simon Peter. It's built on Jesus Christ. Because uh, in a, even in, um, Ephesians, I think also, uh, chapter uh, 2, and verse 20, and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. So, in Matthew 16 and verse 18, I say unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Jesus Christ built a separate institution, a separate religious organization, a separate church, and he was the head of that church, and is still the head of that church. So, whereas he met this religious organization, is it because he lacked love? You say you are separatists. You are people who separate yourselves. Is it because he lacked the love of God? There was no love. He was a person that what was that gloried in separating himself. Was that because these other religious organizations, the way they were teaching the Torah, is not what God knew it to be. So, it's not because, can you accuse Christ having no love? Is it because he didn't have any love in his heart? Oh, he, want to, he wanted to build something right. He wanted to build the right way. <clears throat> so, we were turning to Matthew 16 and verses 6. There's something that we wanted to see here that Jesus Christ warned his disciples against false doctrine. False doctrine. Doctrine is important. In Matthew 16 and verse 6, Then Jesus said unto them, Take heed and beware of the living, of the Pharisees and of the Sadducees. And they reason among themselves because he had spoken about living, they thought he was talking about bread. Because in bread, uh, leaven is used. And they reasoned among themselves, saying, It is because we have taken no bread. Which then, which when Jesus perceived, he said unto them, O ye of little faith, why reason ye among yourselves, because you have brought no bread? Do you not understand, neither remember, the five loaves, of the five thousand and how many baskets you took up neither the seven loaves of the four thousand and how many baskets you took up how is it that you do not 
understand that I speak it not to you concerning bread and that you should be aware of the living of the Pharisees and of the Sadducees. Then, verse 12, understood they how that he bade them not beware of the living of bread but of the doctrine of the Pharisees and of the Sadducees. You say you criticize other is not criticizing is just telling the right thing. If the right thing differs from that which is false, it's not that we are glorying in criticism, but just telling what is right. He says, be aware. He says, don't imbibe. Don't believe false doctrine. Don't inculcate false doctrine. Don't really defile your minds and your heart with false doctrine. Be aware of false doctrine. Now, where did the Pharisees and the Sadducees, where did they get their doctrine? Certainly, they got it from, the interpre- from interpreting the law and the prophets, the law of Moses. It, like, it is like today. Where does every religious organization get their teachings from? If they are Christians, they get it from the Bible. We use the same Bible. What matters is the interpretation. That's why it matters who interprets to you the Bible. Like I said, in a school teacher, some school teachers, they don't know. They are all schools in any nation use the same syllabus. Whether it is the primary syllabus, secondary school syllabus, they use the same syllabus. But uh, what, what really makes the difference is the way... Uh, the teachers interpret that syllabus. See the same syllabus, but you will find that some teachers really know how to interpret that syllabus. And others, they do not know how to interpret the syllabus, and so their students fail. Why? Because they didn't interpret that syllabus correctly. Whereas those that knew how to interpret the syllabus, they know what the examiners want in any topic, in any subject, They know, the examiners, this is what they look for, and this is the way to answer. And you can say, I've really answered well, when it all was irrelevant. And so, even in Christendom, we have the same Bible, the same Bible that we use. But how do we interpret that Bible? The multiplicity of churches, the multiplicity of religious organization is the result of the various interpretation of the scriptures that we have. Every religious organization uh, dispenses wine. There is a way they brew their wine. There is the way they interpret the scriptures. So, there is a way <clears throat> these religious organizations interpret the scriptures. In Isaiah chapter Four here. Let's look at Isaiah chapter four and uh, verse one. And in that day, seven women shall take hold of one man. A woman bespeaks of a church, a religious organization. They shall take hold of one man, saying, "We will eat our own bread and wear our own apparel." Only let us be called by the name, by thy name, to take our, our reproach. What I, the phrase I want, we will eat our own bread. In other words, we shall continue interpreting the Bible the way we are interpreting. We shall continue teaching as we have been teaching. When it comes to baptism, when it comes to the Holy Ghost, when it comes to hell, it comes to the Godhead, when it comes to the body of Christ, when it comes to this and the other, all these doctrines in the Bible, we will continue. We shall just come under one umbrella. Let's just be under one umbrella. But we shall continue teaching our own bread, teaching their own. In other words, every religious organization would like to keep their teachings. 
<clears throat> when they come together, let's, let's not tackle doctrine. Let's just talk about the love of God. Why don't you want to talk about doctrine? Doctrine is what it tells us who we are. Who we are. That is our identity. That tells us who we are. Why don't we talk about it? And so we can't, there can't be true unity when people believe differently. So when they teach doctrine differently, true unity, true fellowship that people are one, are people that are one in doctrine. Then that is true unity. Any other unity is not really good or acceptable unity. So, there is a way every religious organization breaks their own bread. In Luke 24, if we can turn to Luke 24, and uh, verses uh, 30, Luke 24, uh, verses 30 to 31. And it came to pass as he sat at meet with them. These are disciples that were going to a mouse and uh, Christ joins them and talks to them. You know the story. Uh, maybe uh, verse 24 to give you a picture. And certain of them which were with us went to the sepulchre and found it even so as the women had said. But him they saw not. Then said he unto them, O fools and slow of heart. He is talking to these the disciples. Uh, full of uh, slow of heart to believe. All the prophets have spoken. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets he expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. And they drew nigh unto the village whither they went and he, he made us though very polite, very mannerly, didn't want to just force himself to them. He made as though uh, he would have gone further. But they constrained him saying, abide with us for it is toward evening, and the day is far spent. And he went in to tarry with them. And it came to pass, as he sat at meat with them, he took bread and blessed it, and broke it and gave it to them. Verse 31, And their eyes were opened, and they knew him, and he vanished out of their sight. What happened here? I mean, when he was talking to them, though their hearts were burning, they didn't know they were with, face to face with Christ. He was opening scriptures to them. They didn't understand what he was talking about. They even, if you read earlier chapters, almost rebuked him. Are you a person staying in Jerusalem and you don't know what is happening? What kind of person are you? You stay in Jerusalem and you don't know what is happening, things that have perturbed the entire city. You don't know what has happened. Uh, where were you? Uh, what, what kind of person are you? They, they didn't know. I'm just paraphrasing. They didn't know they were face to face with Jesus Christ. They didn't know that. And so, it is when it comes to the breaking of bread, then their eyes were opened. What did you get from there? This shows while Christ was with them, this is after the resurrection, but before he even was crucified. While he used to be with them, during the 33 and a half years of his ministry, there is a way Christ broke the bread. There is a way that Jesus Christ broke the bread. It was unique. It was not like every other person breaks bread. And so, here they are in their house, and he breaks bread. My God, they said, this is Jesus. Then their eyes were opened. 
because he broke the bread like he had been breaking it. And so they knew the only person that breaks bread this way is Jesus Christ. This is, must be the one he has resurrected. And so spiritually speaking, there is a way Christ interpreted the law and the prophets. There is a way he interpreted the scriptures just as naturally. There is a way Christ broke bread, a way that was unique. It was not like any other person. It was unique. So even spiritually speaking, bread can be the word of God. There is a way Christ explained scriptures. So, the way Jesus broke bread was unique. Spiritually speaking, there is a way Jesus interpreted the scriptures. He didn't interpret it like the Pharisees and the Sadducees. There is a way Jesus handled the scriptures. Let's look at uh, Matthew. Let's look at Matthew chapter 7. Look at Matthew chapter 7 and uh, verses uh, 28 and uh, 29. Matthew 7, 28 and 29. And it came to pass when Jesus had ended these sayings, the people were astonished at his doctrine. He handled the way he taught, the way he taught the word of God, the way he interpreted the doctrines. They were astonished. They were not used to the inter- that interpretation. Uh, they had been used to the interpretation how the Pharisees, Sadducees, all these other religious organizations, there is a way they handled the doctrine Oh, there is a way they handle the scriptures. There is a way they taught. Uh, there is a way they interpreted the law and the prophets. And now when Christ stands up and interprets the Torah, interprets the law and the prophets, they were astonished. He says, this is different. This interpretation, we have never seen it. We have never heard it. We have been used to the way the Sadducees, the Pharisees interpret, but this is different. So, For he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. He taught them like somebody that knew what he was doing. Authoritative, with authority. It was not probably uh, whether or not sure or whether this is right or not. He taught them with authority from the Father. He knew what he was doing was right. In Matthew 13, if we go to Matthew 13 and verse 54. Matthew 13, 54. And when he was come unto his own country, he taught them in their synagogue, in so much that they were astonished and said, Whence has this man this wisdom and these mighty works? He said, where does this man get this wisdom? What he was teaching, what he was, the way he was interpreting the scriptures, say, where does this man get this wisdom? Apart from the works that he did, that is the way he interpreted scriptures. Then Mark 11 Mark 11, 17 and 18. 11. And he told, saying unto them, Is it not written? Uh, and he told, saying unto them, Is it not written? My house shall be called of all nations the house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. And the scribes and the chief priests had it, and sought how they might destroy him. 
for they feared, the, they, they feared him because the people were astonished. They were surprised at his doctrine. They were surprised the way he divided the word of God. They were surprised. And so they said, no, we must see how we can handle this man. In Matthew 22, Matthew 22, and the scripture says here in Matthew 22, verse 33, Matthew 22, and when the multitude heard this, they were astonished at his doctrine. Everywhere they are astonished at his doctrine. They are surprised. They, they wonder how he divides the word. Luke 4. There are so many references here. Luke 4, verses 31 and 32. Luke 4, 31 and 32. And came down at Capernaum, a city of Galilee, and taught them on the Sabbath days. And they were astonished at his doctrine, for his word was with power. Why was it with power? Because what was teaching was right. Uh, his word it was from the Father. And so, Jesus himself said, My doctrine is not mine. If you can turn to John chapter 7, he says, my doctrine is not mine. John 7 and verses 16 and 17. Jesus answered them and said, my doctrine is not mine, but his that sent me. Jesus Christ was not just speaking his mind. He was from the Father. And it is the Father that sent him. He had learned of the Father. He was instructed of the Father. He answered them and said, My doctrine is not mine, but his that sent me. Right there, Jesus is telling us, the way he interpreted the doctrine, the way he taught, he learned it from the Father. So, uh, in other words, Jesus told, oh, Jesus had the correct interpretation of the scriptures. This is because he got it from the Father. He didn't go uh, to some school of the prophets didn't go to some theological college, not that we condemn theological colleges, they are good if they are teaching right, but Jesus got it from the Father. And so, doctrine is important. How you interpret doctrine is important. We should have the correct interpretation of doctrine. And... Uh, Apostle John made a very profound statement here in Second John. Second John, very profound statement that you should do really Second uh, John uh, verse nine. He says, Whosoever transgresses and abideth not in the doctrine of Christ has not God. If you don't abide in the teachings, in the doctrine, the teaching, the, what is the doctrine of Christ? The doctrine of Christ is everything Christ taught. If you don't abide in the doctrine of Christ, has not God. He that abideth in the doctrine of Christ he has both the Father and the Son. So, do you see how you can miss out on God? You can miss out having God because the way you believe 
if you don't abide in the doctrine of Christ, the doctrine of Christ is everything Christ taught. If you don't abide in there, you don't have the Father. If you abide in the doctrine, in the teachings of Christ, you have both the Father and the Son. So, doesn't that show that doctrine is important and we should be careful on what we believe? Before we really tackle this biblical doctrine of foreordination, I really want to show that doctrine is important. That's what we are dealing with and then we shall enter into that subject knowing that it's important. The way we interpret scriptures, the way we interpret the word of God is important. Time is not on our side. We appreciate what God has given us today. Just keep listening and the Lord will bless you. Continue and his hand will continue to guide you. God bless you. Amen.